You're listening to Guinea Pig and Green. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Laura. And we like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun and approachable way. On today's episode, we have our third installment of the GPG Book Club. We're talking about Thrive by Arianna Huffington. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Guinea Pig and Green. Hi, Steph. Hi, Laura. How's it going? I'm great. You're in keto. I am in keto. So Can we, we talk have... about that for a second? Sure. Um, we have a secondary podcast boyfriend. What? Whoa. That means there are two people who are in rooms with us right now who are completely silent. Just, <laughs> just so silent. Michael. How hey. dare you? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, they're doing a good job. They do a really great job most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm in Quito. I live with my boyfriend now, the same one that was mentioned on the yoga teacher training in India episode, which you can find on our blog or on iTunes, wherever you find us. Um, yeah, I came down here to see see about this boy and see how how it would go and it's been going really well so I'm happy that I came and things are going well here I'm starting to teach some yoga and working with the Red Tent Sisters the company that I work with in Toronto and that's been really going really well they're starting a new program soon so um they have me on as a project manager now so everything is is good I'm happy that's awesome. And I'm super jealous of the produce that you now have access to in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Paolo's family have, like, at least two of his uncles have farms in the jungle where they grow, like, cacao and coconuts. Coconuts, sorry, that's weird emphasis. Emphasis. Um, yeah, and then his mom went to the the country the other day, and she bought literally one hundred grapefruits for like ten dollars. So we're we're doing well <laughs> for produce. What do you even do with a hundred grapefruits? <laughs> so far, um, made a lot of juice. Paolo really likes to like juice grapefruits, and then he also just eats them, just just like a grapefruit. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So the produce game is strong here. Right. <laughs> and if you visit our um, our blog, the most recent blog post, Steph put her recipe for coconut milk. Which is so easy, actually, apart from the manual labor of taking the... Oh, my podcast boyfriend just sneezed. What is with the podcast boyfriends today? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, he's, he's like podcast boyfriend in training. Yeah. Um, anyway... Um, apart from the actual physical labor of taking the coconut meat out, it's just so straightforward. You just put it in a blender with some water. That's awesome. And it's so delicious. Like, it's the most delicious thing I've ever tasted. I think... It- um, anyway. <laughs> um, we, we did catch up before we started recording, but you would never know it from our witty banter. We always find new things to talk about. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about um, Thrive, which... I am really excited about. Me too. When did you read Thrive? I think I read it in June of last year. Okay. June or July. I just read Thrive. I just read it this summer. Mm-hmm. 
I think on your recommendation. Yeah, for sure. I was blabbing about this book for a year afterwards. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's really amazing. Um, the premise of the book is... Well, Arianna Huffington wrote it. Arianna Huffington, the founder of the Huffington Post. Wonderful lady. She wrote it because she had a breakdown. Can we call it a breakdown? A meltdown? She, she passed out. Right. She had like a physical breakdown of some kind. She passed out at her desk and hit her head on the side of her desk and she woke up and she was in this like pool of blood. And in that moment, she said, I need to do something different um, with, with my life. So she wrote this book um, about how we need a third metric for success. So the first two metrics would be money and power. And those are the two that we're most familiar with, most comfortable with in our society, especially in North America. Um, and so she, she hypothesizes that we need a third metric to measure if we are being successful in our lives. So I think she's saying we don't have to totally get rid of the first two, but we just need this third one to sort of balance out the equation. Yeah. And uh, so the third metric of success would include things such as well-being, wisdom, wonder, and giving. Um, Something that I found so interesting about this is a common theme throughout her book is she's constantly coming back to things that she learned as a kid. It seems like her mom in Greece Mm. was just like well beyond her years in terms of mental wellness and had trained her in things like meditation that a lot of people now, I think, don't grow up actually learning how to do. Um, So she had this whole background, and she Mm -hmm. still managed to get so caught up in those first two metrics of success um, to the point where she lost sight of all those things that she had been taught. And then it wasn't until now that she's revisiting all that where she's like, whoa, my mom was right all along, and she was able to bring back all these anecdotes of things that her mom taught her, which was really incredible. Yeah, I think I had a beautiful, one of the the more beautiful anecdotes for me was just something so simple about how her mom would just spend an entire, like, lazy day at the farmer's market, and she wouldn't think about, like, all the things that need to be done. It was just like, let's just revel in this moment, and let's just be here. And I think that's a huge theme for the whole book, is really mindfulness and being present. She uses a lot of quotes like, don't miss the moment and don't miss the point of what is your life. Um, One of my favorite sort of themes in the book, there's a quote that she includes, which is the obstacles are your life or so, sorry, that's paraphrased, but it's pretty much um, this, this guy. And he's saying, you know, I was thinking I had to just get over this hump and I needed to gain this skill and I needed to get to that job. And then one day it dawned on me that all of these obstacles that I thought were in my way are actually the bread and butter. They are in my life. They are what I'm living for. So that theme to me is something that's really been present, I think, since I read the book. So the last couple of years for me. Um, and I think that it's just so beautiful. Like your life is not coming later, even though it feels like you're not ready for some things or that better things are coming your life is happening now and I think that she does a really beautiful job in the book of really laying that out Mm -hmm. and bringing our attention back to what's really important to us yeah I am I'm so thankful for books like these Uh, I I went to business school as you know Mm -hmm. and I think that this is there's this massive gap in our business education right now I guess I, I can't speak for all universities although I can speak for my own experience 
And I think just learning about this stuff was so rare. I think we had exactly one class where we sort of touched on on this, but really it was seen as this alternative class where I felt pretty isolated in the room as somebody who had any interest in, in stuff like this. Um, and then everything else would have to be electives if you were interested in more of a, like an alternative way of thinking about how business should work. Um, so learning about somebody's life, like Arianna Huffington, who has been so successful in the business realm, and her being able to... Uh, make the case for why we need to be honoring this third metric of success. Um, I find it so refreshing and so needed. Yeah, I think it's it's totally needed. I think we all get caught up in this sort of ego-driven motive most of the time, that we want more, we want things all the time, we want new things, we want better jobs, we want to feel more powerful. And she really makes a point in the book to say that we need to really drop this relentless pursuit of what we consider success. And we're pursuing it at like all costs, costs to our health, costs to our relationships, costs to um, our well-being in general. And I think especially in her wisdom section of the book, she talks about how we really need to recognize and remember what we are truly actually seeking, like what we really, really want in our lives. And she talks a lot about like eulogy values, you know, what kinds of things are going to be put on your eulogy at the end of your life, or what kinds of things are you going to regret at the end of your life. And she just talks a lot about how what everyone wants, what everyone really wants is just connection and love. And we just forget that so quickly and so easily. It's so easy for us to just put that off. Again, coming back to that theme that our life will happen later. Our, li- our lives with our families can happen later after we already have you know, the career that we want and the money that we want. But in reality, if we don't cultivate those relationships now and on an ongoing basis, they won't be there when we reach that level of what we've deemed good enough. And also we probably won't recognize good enough when we get to it because we'll always be in that pattern of wanting more. So I just think, as you said, it is needed. It is really, really needed. And even for people like me who didn't go to business school and I'm not really in the business corporate world, that is still something I get caught up in all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved, um, the, her mention of eulogies and how there's that disconnect between, how we celebrate our lives in eulogies, the things that we emphasize, and versus the same the, the way that those exact same people define success for for living people, um, and that disconnect there. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same. It's the same people. Like it's it's us. It's just how we are as a society. It's what we talk about and in, in eulogies versus what we talk about in terms of like who's doing well. Yeah, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like almost like I mean. I can't speak for grandmothers in general, but it's always like your grandma. Your grandma's always worrying about like if you have a good job and if you have enough money and they mean so well, you know, (laughs) they mean so well, but you can't come back and say, but grandma, like I talked to my friend this week and we had like a really powerful conversation. Like, I mean, you can say it, it just probably won't like resonate as strongly because we have all of these fears of scarcity and not having enough and not being well supported and we kind of have this tendency to let those things that really fill us up, like conversations and connections, we really let those things sort of fall away while we pursue something that we think is more important. So I think that, like you said, it's almost like it should be a textbook for people who 
feel this need to sort of succeed in any way that they possibly can um, to remember that we need to be balancing the the other metric it's not enough to have just the first two I really like that she says that it's like you aren't successful if you if you think you're only mm-hmm. successful in terms of money and power you really aren't it's not just that we need this metric to sort of like guide our lives but it's also that like you're totally missing the point if I think she mentions like a stool at one point like a three-legged stool and she's like if you have two of the legs the money and the power your stool is still gonna fall over <laughs> like mm-hmm. you need the third one so I think that she's doing really great work here yeah me too I, I know I mentioned this to you before we started recording which is that I think the one thing that was a little difficult about reading her book was that she's already been so successful in her life mm. that part of me while reading it was like, well, this is great that you get to pursue nature walks all the time now, <laughs> <laughs> but you're also like sitting on a mountain of money and you've also made money from me purchasing this book from you. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, like I, I love that, that this is what she's about now. Um, however, there is also that aspect of, I think that I really, it's important for people to find a way to adapt the things that what she's, the things that she's preaching to their own lifestyles. So for example, her talking about how now, because she has learned the importance of getting outside and walking, she's turned her meetings into walking meetings where she goes for walks with the people she's meeting with. And I don't think that everybody is in the position where they can say, like, okay, from now on, all my meetings are walking (laughs) meetings because they don't have that authority within their within their jobs for the most part. Uh, So I think, yeah, just figuring out ways that you can take concepts from her book and even just ways that she's made these ideas work for herself and making them your own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that. You're totally right. We have to adapt them. Maybe we walk on our lunch break instead of, I don't know, sitting. But it's true that we don't always have that flexibility. But that's why I like the metaphor of the stool, or I like the metaphor that this is just one of the three metrics um, that you need to have all three in a balance. So I don't think she's saying, just forget about money. Who needs it? Who needs to have a (laughs) house? Just walk all the time. Like... I like that she's she's recognizing the the importance of that in our society. We need those two other metrics, both for our own mm-hmm. health and well-being, but that we just need this third one as well. But I think you're right. Some of it has to be taken with a grain of salt. I did say in response to your comment on that is that I, I did read this over a year ago, so that is not what stuck with me from the book. Um, but I do think it's a valid critique. <laughs> I think that she does give a lot of tools that people can incorporate in their lives. Um, she speaks a lot about the benefits of mindful practices like yoga. She speaks mm-hmm. a lot about meditation and, and even how athletes, professional athletes in various sports have individually benefited from a meditation mm-hmm. practice. Um, and she talks about, she has a whole section on giving and how giving makes us happier and more fulfilled and even helps us feel as if our own resources are more abundant because when we give them away, we're no longer thinking of our own resources as scarce. And I loved that idea. Yeah, it's so great. Um, It's beautiful. 
And I think what you said about mindfulness is so apt as well. She has this beautiful metaphor that we both really loved. Um, I think that it was a dream of hers that she had had, but now she uses it as a metaphor where she's on a train and out the window she can see various things. So some things she sees are like barren landscapes and some things she sees are like lush green forests. And we have the tendency to want to hold on to the forest and we want to race past the barren landscape. Um, but she's saying that with mindfulness, we can recognize that, again, this is our life. This is what's happening. We can't cling to anything and we can't really push it away. The only solution, the only cure is to really be present in this moment that's happening and just let things go by on the train. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and she mentions also like you have to decide who gets to come on the train with you. Not everyone is welcome on board your train. You should only let people on board who are truthful and honest and vulnerable and like willing to do all the hard, messy work that we have to do (laughs) in our lives. Um, So I just think that that is a gorgeous metaphor too. That's something that's stuck with me from the book. Um, I I wish my recurring dreams were... (laughs) were life lessons, <laughs> profound life lessons that I could pass on to other people. <laughs> They're not? <laughs> no. But, I mean, I, I have passed on her recurring dream. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, I think the train thing is so apt for a number of things in our lives. I use it a lot as a metaphor when I'm teaching yoga, too. Mm-hmm. I think throughout a yoga p- practice, a dynamic yoga practice, where you're moving through a bunch of postures, some of which are uncomfortable, some of which might feel amazing. The idea of clinging to how uncomfortable you feel in the uncomfortable ones and how fleeting the amazing ones are Mm -hmm. is just going to make you miserable during your yoga practice. So being able to be present for each and every one and, and learning to be comfortable regardless of the scenario you're in yeah, is such an important life practice on and off your mat. Totally. I think she says one quote at, at one point. I'm sorry, I don't have all of the references here, but we'll include them in the show notes on our website. Um, there's one quote about how when you're in the present moment and when you're really recognizing the lessons that life is teaching you, life just becomes a giant classroom. Just everything is valuable. Everything is a lesson. You don't want to like skip past things anymore because you recognize the inherent like beauty and wisdom that comes in each and every moment of your life and I think that that's just like what a beautiful way to move through the world mm-hmm. um and another beautiful way to move through the world is what she mentions about just choosing to be optimistic and choosing to like see consequence uh not consequences <laughs> coincidences and choosing to just believe that everything's sort of working for you and working in your favor Um, I think that's a concept that was also in The Art of Possibility, another book that we both read, where it's like, you're going to believe in something, so you might as well believe in in something that's going to make you feel happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And related to that, I really liked the Montaigne quote that she used there, which is, there were many terrible things in my life, but most of them never happened. Mm -hmm. So like focusing on your fears... (laughs) is no way to live Um, and I think it makes your life so much more treacherous than it really needs to be so yeah focusing on the things that could go well in your favor will just make you a happier person in general yeah I think um, in Brene Brown's book which I just read um, I'm listening to it right now how good is it oh my gosh 
It's really good. I have literally a book worth of notes from that book. Um, but she mentions <laughs> how, it, and this might be a spoiler for you, Laura, sorry, but um, how her life, she realized, is just better when she believes that everyone's just doing their best. And I just think like beliefs like that, having those kinds of beliefs in our lives, it really is true. There's a beautiful David Foster Wallace commencement address that I love and actually printed off and put in the bathroom stall in our res floor. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. I, remember that. <laughs> I was pu- I was the one putting up signs like clean up after yourself, ladies. <laughs> I don't know what possessed me to do that. I I'm not usually so bold, but I was like, I'm gonna put this motivational speech in the bathroom. Um, but he just talks about like, what do you want to believe? What do you want to go through your life believing? You can believe that all the people around you are obnoxious and awful, or you can believe that they're having a bad day and that they're trying their best and everyone's trying their best. And which way is going to make you a happier, better, Mm -hmm. more compassionate person. And I just think that having more of this information going into our skulls over and over and over and over again (laughs) until we finally get it is like nothing but valuable. Um, I had an idea. Okay. Do you want to do like a little like rapid fire of concepts or like happy (laughs) thoughts that you got from Thrive just as we're finishing up? Like you can just say like a word or like a, a, a sentence. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I have a few written down that I don't really want to like totally unpack, but I'm, yeah, I love. Okay. Can I start? Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved how she ended the book. I Mm. thought that the last page of Thrive was so powerful. Um, I have it here, but, uh, she says, find your place to stand your place of wisdom and peace and strength. And from that place, remake the world. And mm. I just thought that was, like, that was, like, a boom. Mm-hmm. I can put this book down and it's done. Like, that's, uh, I, I just thought it was such a powerful way to finish everything that she was saying. Yeah, totally. I think that that includes the idea that you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else, um, which is mm-hmm. something that's recurring for me as well in my life. So I really like that. I love her concept of what her mom says to her whenever she has to face a big decision in her life. Darling, let it marinate. How beautiful is that? That's mm-hmm. perfect. That's what I need to do all the time. It's perfect and delicious. <laughs> yes, very delicious. Um, so darling, let it ma- marinate is beautiful. Um, what else? What else? What else? We have to... S- well, I have written down here yeah. also from her mom. Darling, just change the channel. You are in control of the clicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. If you have something in your life that you're complaining about or unhappy with, you are in control of that. Or literally TV. Yeah. Also, very true. Yeah. Or what you're listening to mm-hmm. on like the radio. Um, I love her idea of you need to cultivate and expose yourself to emotions like awe, like having awe and wonder in your everyday life, like going outside in nature and just seeing like incredibly gorgeous things, getting yourself outside of yourself. Yeah. That's just such a beautiful concept. I love that as well. I was just back in Montreal last weekend and I don't know if you remember, Mm -hmm. but in Parc La Fontaine, they have this like herd of albino white squirrels. And I've never no. seen them outside of that park, but I, and I totally forgot about them until I was walking by with um, a couple of our friends 
who I was with in Montreal, and I was freaking out over these squirrels. <laughs> I just think they're, I just think they're so cool. And I was like trying to take pictures of them with my phone, and um, I got made fun of a bit for it. But I, I don't know. I. <laughs> but you <laughs> I think felt wildlife, awe, right? You were yeah, amazed. Wildlife has just always been something that has given me a sense of awe. Yes. I totally agree. And also, like, coincidences, like we mentioned as well. Like, if you haven't listened to that episode of This American Life about the coincidences, oh my gosh, it just will open your mind up so wide. I just, I think it's so beautiful. So, yeah, those were our favorite parts of the book. Um, I think that, wouldn't you say, Laura, we would highly recommend this book to other people? Yeah. No, I really like Thrive, and I have been recommending it to people. <laughs> it kind of sounds Me like too. we're gonna have to do Rising Strong next. Oh, Rising Strong. Yes, we should. That book is incredible. Um, if anyone hasn't read anything by Brene Brown, start. I am currently reading The Gifts of Imperfection. I just started it last night. I have a feeling it's gonna be just as amazing. So we love books like this. If there are any books like this that we may not be familiar with please feel free to pass them along. We love getting book suggestions of things to read. So um, if you can think of any that are in this vein of sort of living your best life, then send them to us. Yeah. Check out today's show notes at guineapigandgreen.com. If you have any suggestions for the show or, again, book recommendations, you can send any any of that to guineapigandgreen at gmail.com. And you can also get us on Instagram, at greenguineapigs, Twitter, at greenguineapigs. We're on Facebook, Giddy pink and green. We're everywhere. Yeah. Thank you so much for recording with me, Steph. Yeah. It was really fun. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.